You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week, we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for tuning in to episode 44. Today's episode is full of great tips with a much appreciated dose of reality. Paulina shares her success story in selling her business for seven figures just three years after she created it. We talk about everything from being productive to ways to keep the so-called work-life balance in check. She also includes a valuable pricing tip at the very end. So if you're looking for inspiration to keep your small business journey on the right path, you've come to the right place. Well, hi, Paulina. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hi, Maria. Thanks for having me. I was a student in your hashtag mastery course, and I have to say it has been one of the best no-nonsense courses that I have ever purchased. And I wanted to know if you could tell us about your background and what led you to create this masterclass. Wow, what a great feedback. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to hear positive testimonials after such hard work of creating something. I don't know how far you want to go, but I could tell you a sentence that may pique your curiosity and for the listener too. In the last 10 years, I went through this very interesting journey of from making 15 cents in affiliate commissions to actually selling my company for seven figures uh, just a few months ago. It's been a long journey with a lot of small struggles along the way. And after selling a company for seemingly such a big amount of money, you know, to be honest, my life haven't changed that much. I just had about four days of euphoria. Oh, wow, now the money's in the bank. And then, and I was like, all right, let's move on and then start a new business. And the hashtag mastery was that new thing that I started. And it it's a culmination of everything that I know from before. It's It's not exactly specifically that I'm an expert in hashtags. I am not. But I developed this feel for what works online and what doesn't and what is a good user interface and what is a bad one. And like got these feelers. I still fail a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not like this perfect, perfect, you know, marketer. I still don't know properly how to do email marketing. My emails are not so, not a good open rate and so on. So I still do mistakes, but Just to summarize that my journey has been so exciting and even more exciting than the result that I got by selling it. And the new Hashtag Master Summit that I built is really representing everything I learned in those 10 years. It's not like someone who would be completely new to online marketing that would build a product like that. Well, that's an amazing story. You know, I, I think it's really neat that you're telling me that you're making mistakes and you're learning. So for me, a lot of times when I look at somebody who's created a very successful business and maybe has sold it like you have, it almost seems like you must have had all your ducks in a row and everything must have been perfect and you were able to then sell your business. But you're actually saying that it's okay to not have everything 100% figured out and you still had such an amazing success with selling your business. (laughs) That's right. It wasn't smooth at all. To the listener, you know, you probably have a goal right now. You feel like you want to get somewhere, either, let's say, to buy a house for your family or to leave your nine to five and just focus on your e-commerce business full time, whatever that is. It's, It's a goal. And to get there, 
it's never one thing on the way that you're going to do and it's going to, you know, like turn everything. It's actually many, many, many small little things that keep going up, up, up. Okay, here's the four customers. Here's one more customer. Here's one more customer. Here's one more customer. It's never like 1,000 customers just because you posted on AppSumo Marketplace or something like this. It's always those big things come your way. For example, opportunities came my way in my journey. Uh, For example, I was invited to a big podcast or things like that came up and I always thought, oh my God, now my company is just going to be, here's the hockey stick coming up. And it never happened. It was always like just, okay, like three more customers and then two more customers and next day zero. And it was just a long, long, steady curve up, you know, just a slow one, not like this hockey stick, like the Facebooks and Twitters of the world. Just the normal kind. So basically, in the company that I sold for seven figures, I had for three years. And I started it with the intention to sell. So day one, I knew that I will sell it three years later. It was never really taking off as fast as I would want to. So I had all these spreadsheets, you know, lined up. Okay, on day day number one, I'm going to make this much. On day 180, I'm going to make this much. And it was like 10 times less than I thought. It's easy to make projections. Oh, I'm going to make so much money and so many leads are going to come my way. They converted less than I expected. And things that I thought are important were not important at all. And just you go and learn. So just expect those struggles for the listener who's listening and thinking that "Mm, I'm maybe not so lucky. My business is not going so great. It is going great and it's going to end great if you keep with it. Like most of the businesses who business owners decide, okay, it's not going so great, I'll move on. Or, Or the focus shifts. And then the moment you lose your focus, the moment you stop doing the consistent improvements and consistent work on your business, that's when it actually stops growing. So you just have to stick yourself to being consistent through time. And that's the only thing that I see actually makes money for people and including me. That's a great message because it does feel like when things are slow or sometimes they even you don't get a sale for a couple of days or weeks for that matter. I think that's the time people throw the towel in. I know that when I first started selling on Etsy, my business is very seasonal. So I sell first communion jewelry and really that's only very popular in the beginning part of the year up until maybe May. And you know, June, July, August, they're very quiet months. And in the beginning, I thought, well, this is kind of a bummer. I don't know if I should be looking to do something different. But as I let the years go by, I've realized that it's actually a huge benefit to have a big chunk of the year where I can focus on new products or taking a vacation without closing my shop. So had I just closed it after the first year, I don't think I would have seen all the growth that I have now. So I love that message to just kind of hang in there and keep doing what you're enjoying. Yeah, especially in e-commerce. You said you had seasonal business. I I also was in e-commerce. So my previous company was actually, it was a software for Amazon sellers. So I was an Amazon seller myself, and I did have a few products in my uh, product line that were seasonal. The way I worked around it is I had a Halloween product, and then I had a Valentine's Day product, and some of them were summer season products. So, you know, covering all the seasons, basically, but they were seasonal. And I totally understand how demotivating it could be if you start without knowing what the seasonality is going to look like. And then yes. you hit the low season when you are hoping uh, and you are thinking, oh my God, I just spent $6,000 on these materials. And, you know, 
<laughs> just shipped all the product and it's sitting in my garage and it's not selling and it's just especially on Amazon if you overstock and you send too much stock to Amazon it basically just eats all your profit margins and into the negative exactly so it could be very demotivating but definitely with the new product you just have to stick with it and then you will be the only one from your competitors who knows how to work through the bad times, through the lower times. Now you will know how much to order next year in that low season. You will know exactly, ah, this was cheaper here and this was more expensive here. So you'll learn more and more and more details about your niche every time, every year, every season. And you'll just become so much more expert than the person who just tried for one year and dropped it. Exactly. Well, was that the inspiration for this? Because it seems to me out of all the platforms that I've ever worked on, Amazon seems to be the least user-friendly. I I think you would have created this probably to ease some of that confusion, right? Yeah, I have an advantage of being a software developer by background. So because of that, I have a snack for always my hands are itchy, you know, to type on the keyboard to create some kind of script for myself. I'm going to make this. So when I was an Amazon seller, I became an Amazon seller first. And then I created this little software for myself to calculate the profit. Because on Amazon, it's not only the cost of acquisition of the product, like it's not manufacturing and shipping only. It's also the FBA fee. There's the refund rate. There's the promotions. There's the some other costs. There's like a million of little things that go into there. And on Amazon Seller Central is like 20 different reports you have to pull from. And they will be in different timestamps, like one is in UTC and one in, is in the uh, Los Angeles time zone. And then you have to match them up and it's it's a total mess if you have to do it manually. So I created this little app for myself to tell me exactly how much profit I was making a day, including all of those hidden fees that Amazon has. And eventually friends and my family, like my brother was a seller. He asked for an access. My husband was an Amazon seller. So everybody had access slowly, slowly, slowly. It just people started asking. I thought might be an interesting idea to make a commercial product out of this. And, and we did. So I hired a team. I didn't develop it myself. I just led the technical team. And we built a nice, successful product that grew into this huge, successful software that is today. That's amazing. And I'm sure it's helping a ton of people. I know Amazon has always been very complicated. <laughs> Definitely. Well, when did you decide that being a software developer wouldn't be your final calling? Okay, so I'll I'll tell you what I think about the types of entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs. Like many of the podcasts or YouTube channels that I listen to, I love listening to those who are motivating people to drop the 95 and to become online entrepreneurs. There's many, many of those. But the thing is, I think that most people still don't take that leap is because there are two kinds of people. So there are these entrepreneurial kind who are like me, a little bit jumpy, gets bored fast, longer than four months project and you are bored and you want to move on. There's shiny object syndrome. Uh And if you look at your resume, you have more than 20 jobs that you worked in the last 10 years. And this is the entrepreneurs. And if the listener is listening and thinking, oh my God, that's me, you are the entrepreneur. You are not just like some I don't know. It's not ADD, you know, it is entrepreneurship in you. And that's what you have. And those other type of people, mostly I have a few friends who keep asking, oh, Paulina, you know, I love how you live. I wish to do that. I wish to do that. And year over year, we keep telling me, I wish, I wish, but they never do anything about it. You know, and all of us have such people around us. And I think with them is that they love 
stability. They really like stability and feeling of security of the job or, or even if they are a freelancer or, or business owner, they would stick with the same business for many, many years because they like that stability and security. They feel worried in new environments which are undefined. And entrepreneurs thrive in those undefined environments. I love it when something is no rules and something like is not clear what to do next and you have to figure it out. I just always love this part of figuring it out. You take the empty paper and you write whatever you, you create. That's why I became software developer because you take the empty screen and then you write something and it comes, you know. So I think because of this difference in the two types of people, many people don't take the leap and never become entrepreneurs because it's really not meant for them. They will feel like my husband really likes to, he likes to just be, do the same thing and to know that he will have a stability of the job for the next 12 months. He's right now video editor, so he's freelancing, but still he, he would not switch to something else because he likes the stability. So when you asked, how did I come up with it? It's that I already learned enough about myself to realize that I'm this jumpy person who, who is not going to stick with one thing for a very long time. So now knowing that I'm using it to sort of to, to my power. So first of all, I always outsource the things that I know I'll get bored of immediately. So I have a team around me of assistants who already taking the, the pieces that I know that I, I will not enjoy because they're repeatable, repeatable, repeatable tasks. I keep only those that are creative. So even when I was doing e-commerce business, you know, I kept only, okay, I'll research the new product ideas. I'll keep creating the colors. I'll maybe go on uh, 1688.com, you know, and research what exists for that type of product. So basically I was doing the creative part and they were doing then the repetitive tasks of reordering inventory or, you know, managing, controlling the stocks and then checking something or like once I defined what type of research we should do for the new product, they are going and then checking, okay, find me all the purses that look like 1920s purse and then they're going to aliexpress or or 1688.com and they're just like okay this one doesn't look this one doesn't look because i cannot do that type of job right so now this new product i created exactly like that i love that you described yourself as a serial entrepreneur and i think that's something a lot of us can relate to especially in the creative industry how do you know when an idea is one that you want to pursue into a business a lot of times ideas come to me and I have the name for the company, I have the colors, I have all these ideas. And then sometimes just that creating process is all I needed. And I know I'm not going to pursue and do anything bigger with it. But then there's other times that for me, it seems to be something I can't put away at night. I keep thinking about it and thinking about it. And then I'm like, okay, I need to do something with this. So I'm just wondering, if you describe yourself as a serial entrepreneur, how do you know when an idea is one that you want to pursue? I learned now that in a certain time span, I'll want to move on naturally. And now I know to expect it. I just started a new business now, and I just gave myself another three years until I will sell it, basically. <laughs> So I'm just going to repeat the pattern because I know that's the natural. So you were asking about different ideas. So I'll maybe cover two aspects of it. There is one when I have a lot of different things that I would like to do in the business. So I always, for example, now I started this new business in social media 
virtual summits and I just launched hashtag mastery summit. And now we are converting it to evergreen. So there's like a million things I could do with it next. You know, I could apply for it to be added to AppSumo Marketplace, or I could use the new OnZoom Marketplace platform and run the masterminds there to get the leads from there. You know, I could post these courses as courses on Udemy now to split it in five pieces by platform. I could do the cold outreach to bloggers to find new affiliates to promote it for me. Like I could do a million things. And so how do I decide which ones to focus on? And that's what I learned in the previous business what worked for me is I take a spreadsheet, I write them all down, all of these ideas, and then just have columns, which are sort of what target is going to achieve. So in my case, it's a virtual summit. So it's like an online course. So what is going to do? Will it warm up my audience? Check mark. Yes or no. Will it get me more logins to there? Yes or no. Like the AppSumo marketplace, if I publish there, it will not get me more logins. But it will get me more new organic traffic, new leads, check mark. Paid traffic? No. More sales? Yes. Mastermind sales? No. Affiliate income? Yes, probably. So it's like you do this yes and no's, whatever brings you some kind of result. It's either traffic or money. So if you are an e-commerce seller, then would be, am I going to get more sales? Will I get more traffic to my listing? Will I gain any new the uh, manufacturer manufacturer contact or anything important in my uh, business relationships at all so you just write down and then from all of this list you check a box so if this item the AppSumo marketplace publishing has more than three check boxes that means it's going higher i need to work on this if it only has one check box out of all of them is gonna only make me affiliate income for example it goes very much lower so i basically just give it seven checkboxes possible. And the more checkboxes it ticks, the the sooner I'm going to make it. And then I put a date next to each of them. So the first one goes this, this, and that. So like in my case, I'm working on automatic encore for all attendees because I realized that when people watched my summit, not all of them had time to watch it in the, in the time frame that it was set. And many of them emailed me, can I have a replay? Can I have one more chance to watch it? And I realized, hmm, I should have created automatic encore. So to repeat the summit again for them, like one week later automatically mm. so i don't need to grant it manually to anyone and that seemed to be like the most important thing to do for me because it brings additional sales ad- additional audience warm-up additional logins all these check boxes get checked so now i'm working on this encore summit so basically that's how i control these new ideas and the new idea comes i just add it to the end of a list and check mark all the check boxes oh, it didn't qualify to be top of a list okay it sits there for uh, forever until i get there <laughs> so that's that's the one side within within the business how i control the new ideas oh that's great advice it is difficult for me to understand like well geez sometimes the ideas are so great but i like that you're actually um, looking to make sure that you're going to get good results before you pursue something down the wrong road And as far as the course goes, could you tell us more about the Hashtag Mastery course? Yeah, so I interviewed 40 speakers and I'm not an expert in social media. So what happened was in my previous business, Shopkeeper, for three years, I tried maybe 100 different marketing strategies. And what I now know is that trying all kinds of hacks and tactics and little things is not what builds your business. What builds your business is focusing on fundamentals. Very boring, I know, for people like me, entrepreneurs, very boring, but that is what works. You take 
two building rocks and you just build on them and the rest is just fluff. So, for example, in a previous business, getting affiliates to promote the app worked the strongest. So 30% of leads were coming from affiliates because I've invested my time to build up those relationships. There's like affiliate platform you have to set up. You have to go to different conferences, meet the people, then talk to them, ask them to be affiliates and so on, establish these relationships. It's like you build two important things and that's what works. But I did try all the hundred and things like, oh, promote on Quora. I would just Google how to how to promote software or how to promote e-commerce product online. I just Google and then do what they say. Oh, put it on Quora, answer questions, and then put your link there sometimes. And uh, go to Reddit and become like a poster and do social media. I'm getting to the fact that I did try social media from one of these hundred things, but it was not what worked for me in JobKeeper. And over the 10 years, I had many different businesses online and social media never worked for me. It was always either an email list or uh, affiliates or word of mouth. It was just always something else, like also blog traffic, like SEO traffic, Google traffic, that works well, and paid ads, but never social media. So I thought... That's an interesting, fun challenge because I feel like I'm financially stable right now. So let's just do something for fun, right? I want the challenge. So I want to learn how to monetize social media. And me and my husband, we have this hobby project. We promote the city of Kushadasi in Turkey. So we just basically promote it to tourists, hospitality, like hotels, restaurants. We do little video walk, walk with me every day, basically. (laughs) And I thought, okay. Time to learn how to monetize this. And how will I do this? Well, I'll create a virtual summit, interview 40 people and ask them exactly how to do that. So that was my goal of running the summit to actually learn how to do it. And at the same time to build an info product business, which I also haven't done before. It's just fun, fun new areas to explore. I'm always looking for that new shiny next thing. So yeah, that's how I ended up at Hashtag Master Summit. Wow. I love it. I think the the thing I can tell is that, well, I appreciate most about the course is that I'm able to learn each platform one class at a time. So in other words, if I want to learn about LinkedIn, I know I can hear from several experts all on that topic and just focus on the main attributes that make that platform successful. And the other thing that's really nice is that maybe you're not connecting with one of the teachers, or maybe you want to hear somebody else's take on it. I love that you have several experts in each category. So I think that's an amazing course for that reason. You know, we've had some talks about branding. Although it can feel overwhelming or even confusing, using a tool like Canva makes this necessity a breeze. You can create and save your color schemes so that all of your promotions and posts have a cohesive look. Everything is drag and drop. What can be better than that? You can try Canva for free and enjoy 200,000 free photos to use for your campaigns, or you could try Canva Pro and create GIFs, use your own fonts, create unlimited folders for your designs, and honestly, there are a ton of other amazing features. Take the hard work out of creating your posts with Canva. I'll have the link for you in the show notes to get started for free today. Now back to the show. You know what I tried to do with the course? So... 
I have attended many summits in my life because I'm I'm really keen podcast listener and YouTube watcher and I always like have something new to learn and having in my ears while I'm washing the dishes. So because I watched so many summits, I just realized what I didn't like about them. Most of them have slideshow, which is pretty boring, used somewhere else before, and a speaker just talks alone and just very, very high level topics that the, like the first 10 slides you just want to skip until you get to that meet somewhere mm-hmm. 20 minutes down the road and then the presentations for 30 minutes so at the end of last five minutes they'll be pitching something so you get like basically five minutes of the good stuff so i wanted to create a method how to extract only that good stuff from the speakers yeah so i declined any slideshow suggestions i was inviting them for an interview where i will ask the questions and I didn't want them to do slideshow, but I wanted them to do screen share. So if it would be just a simple interview without anything on the screen, again, it gets boring for me personally, because then I just move on. It's boring to just hear some high level stuff without the practical tips. And I'm all about the practical, practical. So I asked every speaker, let's share your screen and what could you show me? So I usually would research for two or three hours about each speaker before interviewing them. And I would check like, what are the things they're good at? Like what would be something that they would be willing to share? And I I watched their YouTube channels and I saw what topics they cover in podcasts. And I just picked those that would have practical tips. So I avoided questions on purpose that are very high level. Like where do you think social media is going? Or, you know, should you post consistency is important you know i wanted specific tips how do you create gifts you know Mm -hmm. and like how exactly do you change your description like where do you put these words in linkedin your call to actions you know which boxes do you put your call to actions to so that's i think what made the summit so likable by many people i got so many good testimonials about it they were saying i loved the style the format and people seem to really like this format of screen share and me just asking asking without how to say very understated way so i tried to not like now i'm telling a lot of story and just not even letting you ask anything but in my interviews i was trying to not say anything i just asked the question and then let the speaker talk and teach and i think that's what people really liked it was it was a lot of value that they got in those 45 minutes from each speaker I agree. And it was also the live examples. So it's one thing to tell somebody to do this, that, or the other on a fictional account, but you came to the summit with actual accounts that we got to see how to change things, where things should go. And I believe that made all the difference in the world because I'm a visual learner and sometimes just having a slide is difficult. You have to stop and go back and say, wait, what are the steps? You know, when someone says click on this, then click on menu, then click on that, it's hard to follow and you have to go back and forth. But with your master class, it just seems so much easier to follow along. And you could even run it side by side with your own accounts and make sure you're making those updates. Yeah, definitely. It was fun to invite. I had my, our, like I said, my, me and my husband have this account, see you in Kusadase. So we have on all social media platforms. And then I had some experts like Later, you know, most popular app for Instagram scheduling. So an expert from Later came and looked at my account, you know, in Later, and she gave me advice. And then we discussed it. And it also, 
also became an interesting video for everyone. So it was very good feedback for me personally on how to improve the social media accounts and how to easier monetize them and all these ideas that I got. So I have this long to-do list for me to do, like, again, with prioritizing. I'm just starting to slowly outsource it and, okay, you on the team will do this, then we'll do this. So we are just uh, sort of have like a to-do list. If you noticed in the summit, I have broken down into chunks. So you could either watch the full sessions of videos or you can watch the little chunks. So just the meat of the content and they're by topic. So if you watch the sessions in full, a week ago, but then one week later you say, okay, now I'm going to go and implement it. You don't want to go back and watch all of that again. You just want to see what was this thing about tracking performance there for Pinterest. Okay, that's the bit. That's the two minutes. Okay, that's the one I want to watch again to remember and then do it. So I really focused on doing those, even though it took us a lot of time to do the editing for these small bits, but that's an additional value that the summit has. I've purchased other programs before and I feel like, oh, I don't want to watch the entire thing over again, just to find that tiny little section that I need to watch, you know, so with your program, I love that you're actually directing us. Like if you want to go and learn more about this one particular topic, this is exactly where you're going to find that. So I think that's invaluable. Think of the time that you're not having to waste watching the whole thing. And then maybe you forward through some and then you have to go back. So it's such a huge benefit. I think that's so key. Can you tell us what tips would you have for someone interested in starting a small business? Starting a small business, you mean from scratch, right? So they are right now in the nine to five? Right, right. You know, starting a new business on the side is extremely hard when you have nine to five and the family. True, (laughs) And I have two small kids too. And uh, I know that, let's say you work nine to five and then you pick up kids after from school or daycare and then it's like 7 p.m. And by that time you're like exhausted. You just want to, I don't know, watch Netflix, eat dinner and go to sleep at nine, you know, to wake up again at six. So usually there's so little time left. And what I found in my life, I was doing nine to five a lot before I started my business too. In my life, what helped was to actually to become more productive, the only thing that helped me at all, not all these strange productivity rules, okay, focus or consistency or schedule the time. I would schedule the time and I would just drag it to the next day in my calendar, drag it to the next day. It wouldn't work for me. You know what worked magically? And I I didn't believe that it did. Changing my diet just by taking out the bread from it took out all the bread bread has a lot of sugar or something i don't know but i just took out the breads and cookies and the desserts and by improving my diet so basically no gluten and i wasn't sticking with it forever i just stick with it for 90 days using an app on my phone i was motivated by other things like i wanted to lose weight and other things but it actually gave me a lot of extra energy, which I didn't believe that it could be so. I had energy after work to do something else and on the weekend. And it's just this amazing, you know, and when I was building Summit right now, three months ago, I started it. So again, I went through the boost of that, no bread. Sometimes I go back and then eat a lot of bread and cookies again. I'm not such a strong person to stick with it for many years. But Mm -hmm. when I do the boosts of these 90 days, it's really boosts my productivity and you can do amazing things when you have all these extra energy. So it's like number one productivity thing. Just change your diet for like two weeks and see if that starts to give you this extra time to do the thing. And then work on your business on the side little by little by little by little. 
about the gluten. I thought that was so fascinating that you said that. I thought you were going to give us like some secret tool or something, but I have <laughs> I have not eaten gluten in I would say maybe like oh gosh, I'd have to do the math, but you know, at least 12 years. And what started out for me as a lot of joint pain and, you know, inflammation in my hands. Like I felt like I had severe arthritis. All of that disappeared after I changed my diet. And I noticed that the fogginess just went away. I, I almost felt like it, there was a heavy blanket on me every single day. And I felt like my legs were stuck in cement. It felt like a massive chore to empty the dishwasher or to make the bed. Like everything felt like just drudgery. It felt like horrible work. And once I changed all of these things, it's so funny. Now I'm like, okay, that couldn't be me. It seems impossible to think that I would have a hard time emptying the dishwasher. <laughs> it just seems amazing that something that seems insignificant, like eating, you know, too many breads and sugars and all that stuff would really make such a big impact for your brain and your body. Yeah, it's amazing what it can do. I, I couldn't believe because I, I'm not a believer in many of these you know, cliche things that people say. I'm usually very like, okay, let's test it out and then check it if it's actually gonna work. And I did, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It actually does work. And unfortunately, when you are in the beginning stages of the business, you do have to ignore a lot of the life things. So now come, we come to this balance of life and work. And it's very important not to ruin your life by going too much work and less of a life, not to lose your husband and pay attention to the kids, but just to have enough balance. And the way I figured it out is I go by the feeling of guilt. If I'm already feeling guilty, oh, I didn't come, like I, I usually have two late evenings every week that I stay very late and my mother-in-law watches the kids. And then on the weekend, every Saturday, we have full day with my husband and kids are being watched uh, by my mom-in-law. So we have a date to just each other. And then Sunday is a family day, the full day just the four of us. So it's like a little bit of schedule goes around that. But sometimes I take away from these, you know, because I say, oh, I have to work. I work on the summit. As soon as I feel guilty about it, that means the life work balance is off. And then I go and spend two extra days now with the kids. And we go out, we drive somewhere and we spend time. And then again, when I feel hungry for business, go back to it. So it's like you go by the guilt. <laughs> That's the next rule. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love your honesty. But but what's more important, I think, is how intentional you are with your time. Because otherwise, I could just really get out of control, like you said. Especially when you have like this idea that you're really fired up about. It almost seems like you can drown yourself in just that. So I love the intention of saying this day specifically for the kids. And then you're giving yourself that two days a week to really dive into your new course or whatever it is you're producing. Those are awesome tips. Yeah, this this was works for me. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have like a million things to give, but I guess these, these are my main things. Yeah. In general, you have to be loving the process. The thing is uh, to be positive. I don't know, Tony Robbins seminar. I just went to check, you know, because I create virtual summits. I wanted to see what Tony Robbins virtual summit looks like. So I went and spied on that. And you know what? I was disappointed. I was feeling like I'm not the person that Tony Robbins is talking to because I felt like he's saying you have to be positive every day be positive but I thought hmm, I'm already positive every day what I do is in the evening when I lay down on my pillow I think oh thanks um, 
for this, thanks for that, thanks for that. These were amazing things that happened in my life. And then I take a moment to look at the sea each day, you know, otherwise I would just stare on my computer screen. And it's like, you sort of negate the negatives, don't look at them too much, and you increase in your mind the positives. So I thought, hmm, Tony Robbins is like teaching them to be more positive and that would bring success. Okay, check, I already do that. And then, you know, achieve the dreams and do the dreams of your life. And I'm like, hmm, I already have like a family of four, one boy, one girl. Very nice husband, a job that I love, you know, a beautiful office, nice house on the seaside. You know, it's like everything check, check, check. So why am I here? (laughs) 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 So to get there, it's not what, what I'm getting to, to the listener, to realize that that achieving, like me selling my business for seven figures, gave me only four days of happiness and the rest, I am me again. Whatever I was before, if you were negative before, every day you're negative, you're just saying, my life is not good. Da, da, da. After you sell your company for seven figures, guess what going to happen four days later? You're going to say again, oh, this is not good now. Taxes, I have to pay. I don't know. Something going to come that you will focus mm-hmm. on. Negative. So just today, start today. Just focus on the positive and the way you focus on it is every evening, If you believe in God, you thank to God. If you don't believe in God, you just talk to yourself about the positive energy in the world and just think of what awesome things happened in that day. And then you'll realize how many nice things are actually happening to you through your life every single day. And that that goal that you have in mind is really not the part to enjoy. The part to enjoy is right now, today, every day. That's the part to enjoy because you don't know what's going to be tomorrow. It might all end, you know, abruptly and you will never expect it. So you just enjoy this moment, what you have. It really does boil down to gratitude. A lot of times the hard thing to remember is when you first start out, sometimes you think, oh, I can't wait to just be at home, work on my own business. And then years later, you find yourself at home working on your own business. And it just, it seems like there was no there there. And so the point of it, I think, is like you're saying, if you're grateful for the opportunity to be at home, to work on your business, to put you know positivity out into the world, if you can focus on all the good things, it almost makes you more appreciative of your opportunities as opposed to you always chasing something. I think you are right. It's more about the journey. Well, Paulina, is there anything else that you would like to add that maybe I didn't ask? Yeah, you know, when I was in shopkeeper and uh, e-commerce seller, I used to go to many different podcasts and talk about pricing strategies for Amazon sellers. And I thought that your listeners, many of them are sellers, e-commerce sellers. So I'll give you one tip from the old times. Maybe you will find it useful for the pricing strategy. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. All right. So... What worked for me and what works for many people, many customers of Shopkeeper is to use charm digits in your prices. So it's not in vain that many stores are using 99, 99 cents at the end, you know, 97 at the end. And what this did to us, it's not, well, obviously it reduces the feeling of the price. So it's instead of $30, it's $29.99. And then obviously 20 something is less than 30 something. So that's not where I'm getting at. Where I'm getting at is that 99, 99 everywhere seeing that made us psychologically feel like it's some kind of a deal we are getting. So now anything that actually has a nine in it, it automatically gives you a feel like, oh, it's some kind of a bargain. Like it doesn't even have to be a bargain. But if you use uh, 38 or 39, 39 will be more 
clickable into because it feels more like a bargain that has a nine in it. So there are these three charm numbers that I recommend using is five, seven, and nine. You know, like uh, some other stores are using 995 or 997 at the end, like internet marketers like to use the sevens in the end. So these three are the charm digits and most commonly used good converting digits in the prices are the odd numbers. So if you avoid the even numbers, like the uh, instead of doing 22, you would make 23.99, you know, or if your price is right now 24.99, make it 25.99 or 23.99, whichever you feel is going to work better. So just try to jump to the next odd number in there. And if you are adding the uh, the ending, it's always either 99 or 97 or 95. So that works uh, really great. Wow, that's a great tip. Any store where you go buy clothes or whatever, when they do run a sale, they always end it in a 97. And so it seems like, oh, yeah, that's probably a thing. But without hearing somebody that's an expert, like you say it, it almost feels like, well, am I just pretending that it's a thing? But you're you're saying that there's some good evidence to show that people are more apt to click on something. You, with you, I got trained to it. Already. Like, look, if you're yes. going to put 39 round, 3900, mm-hmm. that's going to do worse than 3999. Because something round, it kind of hits your eye and you you take the extra millisecond to think about it. Like it's something like, oh, it's unusual. Maybe it's new. It hasn't been discounted yet, <laughs> you know, wow. or like it's just fresh or a little bit gives a little bit more of a luxury feel too, by the way, if you want to make it feel like a luxury item, you would round your prices. So you wouldn't use 99 to make it seem like not a bargain, not a cheap item, more expensive item. And then you would round the item with the zero zero on purpose. So there's strategy, many different strategies to that too. So the whole pricing strategy thing is is a very interesting topic and it's been a curious topic of mine for, for a few years. I love the psychology behind that too. That is so neat. Well, thank you for that. Oh, Paulina, where can we find you? So you could find me at hashtag summit.com in the little corner. There's the chat where I usually monitor the chat if it comes to my email, or you can just send me an email at paulina at tactician.tv. Hashtag Mastery Summit, by the way, is free for anyone. So it it wasn't like a big sales pitch that I'm going to say special offer to you, $97. (laughs) It's actually free. Of course, there is a, it's a business. So you'll get it free for a limited time. But to anyone who's listening, you can just go and sign up and you can watch it for free you know, just sign up on the day when you have a lot of time because the first day is the best time, the best day, right? Okay. So if you don't have time to watch right now, sign up on the day when you do, and then you'll get the access, access to the Instagram day on your first day. And that's the, the best part. Perfect. And then can you also give us the information for your Turkey site? Yeah. So it's called See You in Kushadasa. So I guess that, it's, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to spell that. So it's K U S A D A S I. So Kusadasi. Okay. So see you in Kusadasi. You can just search for it in any social platform that you are in. And then you can see me and my husband walking around doing tours of we just do walk with me live videos or you know that kind of thing and you just walk around oh there's the birds oh look at the sea oh look at this we just like (laughs) walk around like that and it's pretty fun to do and fun to watch too 
Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And just a little input on my end for the course, I found that, you know, although I wasn't able to watch all of the videos when it was for free, there was such a huge value to just buying the program because like I mentioned, every single platform is dissected and you made it so that every single person can watch and break it down into the time frame that they need. So I love it. It was so well put together. And I feel like you really had the user in mind when you created this. And I love that about the course. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paulina. Your hashtag mastery class and community have been amazing. And I'm grateful for all the insight that you shared with us today. Thank you, Maria, for inviting me. Well, there you have it, my friend, another incredible small business owner sharing her success story, tips, and amazing course with you. Paulina has had a significant amount of success, but admits that not everything in her business was perfect before selling it. Even today, she is learning new ways to increase traffic to her latest project and passion, the site that she runs with her husband. One of the most valuable tips that Paulina gave us today was to keep moving forward with small steps. I couldn't agree more. The journey will look different for most of us, but the daily effort to climb to the top looks similar. You'll find a tremendous amount of value in Paulina's hashtag mastery course. I'll have a link for you in the show notes. And like Paulina mentioned, you can sign up to watch for free. But I promise if you don't get to watch all of the content, it is worth the purchase. Take it from a girl who has purchased several online courses. This one is packed with so much information and you can digest it one platform and one speaker at a time. I recommend walking alongside the teacher with a split screen open and making the changes to your pages right then and there while you're learning. I know you'll love it. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job. 